after further reveal. All right, well, next guest, really excited to have him on, Mr. Sam Jelinek. He is the Iron Pigs play-by-play, good friend of mine, and I am, you know, super happy to have you on and appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have, uh, to speak to us. So thanks again, Sam. Yeah, no, absolutely, guys. Uh, happy to be here. And, uh, you know, the season ended for us three weeks ago, so I haven't had a chance to, you know, just speak ad nauseum for like three weeks. So it's kind of nice that I get free reign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, speak about whatever you want. But I mean, first and foremost, the Phillies being in the position they are now being of a part about a part of the organization. Um, you know, how, you know, how are you feeling? I know you're a huge Phillies <laughs> fan too. So it's just, you know, being able to work for the organization and being a fan of the organization has got to be, you know, a great feeling in general. Yeah, no, I mean, coming back home first and foremost was, you know, it's a really special thing that, you know, I can't remember if we ever went to, I know we went to Trenton Thunder games growing up together, Ben. I don't know if we ever went to a Pigs game together. But, I don't you know, think so. Uh, so. You know, I ended up going to a few Pigs games, you know, before I graduated high school. So I was kind of familiar with the with the stadium and obviously familiar just with the Phillies in general, being a huge Phillies fan. Um, so getting a chance to come back here and be a part of this and, you know, fandom aside, you just don't get that kind of opportunity too often doesn't align like that too often in the sports world working in it. You know, you, I've bounced all over the place, basically crisscrossing the country. So to, uh, you know, have everything literally, um, uh, you know, stars come together for this, uh, is been fantastic. And then, you know, yeah, being a Phil's fan has uh, made it definitely sweeter. Uh, you know, that I, I care about the guys there, um, both the major league and the minor league level, um, and being able to see the success that they have and kind of, have a very small, just be around it and be a fly on the wall for it has been unbelievably cool. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I at the end of the day, for me, the, the big difference now between like when I was younger, being a fan of the Phillies is, you know, now you're just a fan of the people within the organization um, and that you want to see them have success just because, you know, I, I spent, I spend way too much time with them and they spend way too much time with me. Uh, and the, the players are just on a day to basis that you want them to have success because they're, they're, they're good guys. Um, and that's kind of what everybody loves about the Phillies right now, which is wild is that they're a lovable cast of characters. Uh, and, you know, I can attest to that personally, they, they are as genuinely as nice and humble and just kind of awesome to be around that, that good vibes is real. Yeah, and I think you had a tweet the other day, too, just kind of that a lot of that just runs. I mean, you see, you know, I hate to say it as being a Mets fan, but you see the team is just having a great time yeah. on the field, just a great time. And you said it kind of runs down from the top, and you see that in AAA also. Yeah, no, and that was one of the things I was scared of. This was my first year being at AAA at any level higher than single A. And, you know, the big difference is that you got guys coming to and from the major league level. And you never know what it's going to be like. For me, the first time you're going to have to interact with somebody who got demoted from the major league level, you know, because nobody nobody wants to be playing at AAA. <laughs> nobody wants <laughs> to be there. Um, so the first time you have to interact with that, it's always kind of, it, can you ask about it? How are guys receptive to, to talking about it? Things like that. And to a player, every single guy that we had go up and down, be it Bailey Falter, Jake Cave, the bullpen guys, Junior Marte, Luis Ortiz, uh, Andrew Bellotti, when they would go up and down, they were so unbelievably professional about it and also more than willing to be open about talking about their experience. Um, I would talk, I talked with Jake Cave a lot 
about his season about when and Derek Hall about you know the fact that they got squeezed down to the roster at times not because they were necessarily playing poorly but it was just you know it just kind of was what it was for Derek it was when Bryce Harper came back and was playing first base it was well if Bryce Harper's gonna play first instead of you sorry and then for Jake it was when Bryce Harper came back and was gonna DH Cave wasn't needed anymore and they both said, you know, we we understand it, and we're just going to be ready for when we have to go up again. Uh, same thing for Cody Clemens as well. Uh, and they would all come back down to AAA, and they just raked. And they, you know, did it with, you know, aplomb and did it with smiles on their faces. Um, and the fact that they were willing to accept that kind of assignment in stride and be as open and honest and just day-to-day not mope about it was one of the coolest things that I saw. And I think that goes back to the buy-in the entire organization has gotten and that's the it's such a fun group to be a part of that you don't want to risk not being a part of it <laughs> by, by being a sour bus wow that's really cool and you know i know growing up that i think the philly being like a phillies broadcaster i feel like that was always your <laughs> dream job so to be this you know to be where you are i mean just congratulations and you know obviously i certainly hope that you continue to you know move forward with that yeah, no, it's uh, certainly close to a dream come true. Not there yet. Uh, yeah. You know, don't, don't want to be in the minors forever, just like the players. But, sure. uh, you know, it's genuinely, you know, everything that you want. Uh, and, you know, being a Phillies fan growing up and idolizing, you know, Harry Callis and everything that he meant to the organization and to the people and to see how he's still so revered around uh, the entire organization is very cool. Um, and they, you know, they care about what we do and they, you know, the, the players also, uh, you know, are very receptive and open to understanding what it is I try to do as my job and, you know, how they can help me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask, because obviously now you're at the highest level of broadcasting that you've ever been at. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not necessarily like a whole background, but I know you went to Syracuse, which is an amazing top of the line broadcasting school but then just a little bit after Syracuse your you know your journey like the players right you have to go start at the bottom and kind of work your way up and I just didn't know where you started and kind of where you came along to end up here and just the differences between maybe like competition level or you know just what you see around the league yeah, so uh, thanks for giving me a chance to brag. Yeah, Syracuse, pretty dang awesome. <laughs> but no, really, uh, I I tell anybody who's interested in broadcasting, go to any school you can, and you know you, you'll do just fine. Um, but for me, it it honestly starts when you're in school, not so much the schooling itself. But I worked in summer college baseball my uh, sophomore and junior years. Um, so you know that's like the Cape Cod League. Uh, yeah. I didn't do the Cape. I did the uh, Northwoods and Perfect Game Collegiate League. Um, and you know, that's just getting reps and, you know, trying to figure out what the hell you're doing on air. (laughs) You know, you got like five people listening and you're, you know, thank, thank God for that because the amount of mistakes that you end up making. Um, so I did summer college ball junior or, uh, sophomore, junior year. My senior year of college was when the ACC network kind of began to be a thing. So I lucked into that and got to do some stuff with the ACC network, uh, while I was still in school. So that was fun, uh, mostly Olympic sports stuff, uh, but just getting to be on air was awesome. So then I graduated and went straight into independent baseball. Uh, so that was the Frontier League out in the Midwest, um, which has now expanded wildly the East Coast. Um, but that was with Evansville, the Evansville Otters. Um, spent a summer there. So that was indie ball. And that's the other thing I tell young broadcasters and just fans in general. Indie ball is awesome. 
if you ever have a chance to go, go and experience it. It's, you know, I had no clue what it was when I was getting into it. Um, and, you know, as the broadcaster, you wear a lot of different hats and stuff. But it, it that that indie ball is still kind of the last Wild West frontier of baseball that's left. There's kind of like no rules about it. <laughs> so it, it was very fun. Um, and I saw some great players, guys who were former first round picks to guys who would go on to have uh, major league debuts, um, which was you know really awesome. So I went from there to broadcasting division two sports down in North Carolina. Uh, that was fall 2018, was there fall 2018 through spring 2019. Uh, and then I left for my first stint with the Delmarva Shorebirds, uh, who are the single A affiliate of Orioles uh, down by Ocean City, Maryland was the assistant broadcaster there. So just like, you know, for, you know, for uh, the Ben, for the Mets, you know, you got uh, on the radio side, Howie Rose and now Keith Rad, basically yeah. same thing. I was the the Keith Rad to the Howie Rose there. Um, so spent a season there, uh, moved up to New York during the off season, started broadcasting for Colgate University, uh, doing mishmash of everything, mostly hockey though. Um, then February, 2020, went to broadcast for the Pirates High A affiliate down uh, in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, was there for three weeks and then COVID happened and we all got, we, we all got canned. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was fun. Uh, and basically once COVID hit for us working in sports, everybody was out of job. It, it was just kind of like, well, until sports comes back, you're kind of screwed. Um, and I got lucky because Colgate ended up playing a hockey season in winter of 21 um so i at least had some games to call when baseball came back on the minor league side in 2021 i returned to delmarva as their lead broadcaster because the prior guy had left um so a chance to be closer to home bradenton also wanted to cut my pay 50 percent, so i told them to scram (laughs) (laughs) uh so i ended up back in delmarva as the lead broadcaster there uh did the whole flip-flop between there and colgate between the fall and spring seasons uh, for 2021 and 2022, and then was gearing up to return there this year when uh, the broadcaster for the Iron Pigs uh, actually got a job with the Mets. Um, right. Pat McCarthy, Tom yeah. McCarthy's kid, um, got a job uh, in the Mets radio booth. So it opened up. I shot the pigs an email and said, hey, I'm local. I used to go to games and, you know, I think I got the experience necessary here and they leave my charade. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, that's a very short, that's the short version. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. And and when you went, uh, when you were in Delmarva, you know, you, you know, not to just touch on the one part, but I know you saw some great, you know, debuts yes. of some really <laughs> talented players. Um, I know Rutschman, I think you were there mm-hmm. with his debut. I don't know, Gunner too, but yeah. um, just, I mean, yeah, that was I probably got... pretty cool. I got blessed when I was in Delmar for the level of talent that I got to see. Uh, 2019 was uh, pitching staff led by Grayson Rodriguez. Um, he was just, in addition to being a, a frontline starter, phenomenal dude, just very down to earth. Um, had a lot of great conversations about pitching with him. Um, but you had Grayson who was fronting that rotation. Uh, Adley joined us in August of that summer. Uh, I'm trying to think any guys who have had big major league impacts. There are some fringe guys like Nick Vespi, a uh, little reliever. Oh. Um, oh, Felix Bautista actually joined <laughs> us that summer. So oh. th- that's that's a wild story. Felix joined us 
later late that summer on the same time as Andley, uh, out of nowhere. I mean, so in my in minor league baseball, when a guy is signed out of uh, international, especially when they're signed at sixteen, that's the height and weight that's inputted there basically stays forever until somebody cares to update it. So Felix's height and weight was still listed at 6'5", 190. By this point, this is 2019, he was like 6'8", 250. <laughs> oh, my God. Dang. Dude was slinging 100. And we're like, where the hell did he come from? I mean, dude wasn't on any prospect lists. Nobody had even heard of the man. And just throwing bullets. Um, so he was our closer. And that was... <laughs> just disgusting uh <laughs> that, that 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 2019 was 2019 team was a lot of fun had some really good players on it and then 21 uh the infield to start that year was actually Gunnar henderson and jordan westberg up the middle <laughs> at, at shortstop in second uh which was nuts and then also on that infield uh is was daryl hernandez who was traded to the a's for colt irvin uh, Daryl, I still contend is going to be a very quality major league player. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys we've had down there. Um, so that was the start of the year. We had those three, um, by the end of the year, uh, that was the 2021 draft class. So that was Colton Kowser, Connor Norby. Um, who else do we have by the end of the year? Oh, Kobe Mayo, uh, also joined, uh, by the end of the year. So that was another fantastic infield and lineup that just absolutely raked. Uh, and then in 22, um, to start the year, I'm trying to think, who do we have to start the year last year? We, we weren't good last year. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it was, it was kind of the start of the, uh, Latin American project for the Orioles that year. So we weren't very good, but then by the end of the year, um, we got, or got an infusion of talent that was at least fun. So that was Jackson holiday. Um, uh-huh. getting him was just he's the best way I can put it just watching him play on a day in day out basis is he was 18 years old at that point thrust into single a baseball and he just didn't look out of place not to the it's not just that he didn't look out of place it looked like you know they always talk about you know is is the game sped up on him or is he controlling the game his internal clock must move at a snail's pace because it's just like everything just looks like it's waiting the game looks like it waits for jackson to happen <laughs> is the best way to put it i've never seen such good body control at the plate and that works so well for him because he's got lightning quick hands and hips and just watching him was crazy um so yeah that was we had him to cap off the year and that was that was really really cool <laughs> dang yeah that's insane especially because a lot of those guys that you just brought up have made it to the majors now. Yep. So it must be cool for you to be like, wow, I met this guy and maybe not a lot of people I you know, knew about them. And now they're on a hundred win team, making it to the playoffs and making the name for themselves. So that's gotta be really cool. Yeah. And, and for me, the, the thing that I going into it, and especially a fan's perspective, but even me, when I got into the business that I thought it was going to be cool to like know these guys, cause you know, they're putting up awesome you know, numbers or helping teams win or, you know, you, you take pride in like that kind of thing. I end up taking more pride in, you, you get to know them like on a very personal level, you know, their families, you talk to them every day and you just want them to have success because, you know, calling them a friend is like way too strong. 
Um, but it's just like how you want any one of your friends or somebody you know to have success. It's because of that, you know, because they're good people and you like to see good people have success. Uh, so that's the really, oh, I actually forgot about one very major piece uh, from last year, Heston Kerstad. <laughs> that was another one. Obviously, he came through. Uh, getting to see his debut was wild. And then he hit 480 over a month and was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you end up rooting for those guys' success because you just want good people to find their way in the world um, and seeing them, you know, have their awesome moments. Like this year for us, the big one for the Iron Picks was Weston Wilson uh, going up, having his debut. And yeah, it was great because, you know, he homers for the Phillies and the Phillies got to win that day. And there's Lorenzo no hitter, but also Weston learning his journey, his story over the entire year, dude is grinded for everything and could not be more humble, more caring. Uh, he's the guy I've, I constantly had to go to the entire year as far as media wanted to talk to him and he would always do it. And he never, you know, big leagued me or anything like that. Even when he came back, he didn't big league me. <laughs> so, you know, you end up rooting for them from the standpoint of they're, they're just great dudes and watching them have successes is, is fun. Yeah. And uh, I caught a lot of that interview you did with Weston Wilson. It was a yeah. great interview, by the way. He and uh, it was really cool to hear his story. And it's you're in such a unique position, too, because you get to see the guys in their highest of highs and their lowest of lows. So it's like behind the scenes, we can only imagine, oh, this guy went over four and he struck mm-hmm. out and he's on a, a 10 game hitless streak or something like that. And it's like I can only imagine what they're going through, whereas like you get to see them every day after that and really get to know what their emotions are like and what what kind of person they are. So it's really cool to hear, you know, behind the scenes, what a guy went through, struggled through, and then to get that success, even if it was for a handful of games. And you you see him in the dugout now. So it's really cool to see him. He's not on the roster, but he's still there experiencing it. And that's got to be so cool for him. And that's the wild thing. You mentioned him just being in the dugout. When I would talk to him about, you know, he was a minor league free agent and a lot of times for guys who are minor league free agents who haven't made their major league debut, you're going to sign with a team that's going to give you your best shot to get to the big leagues. And, you know, signing with a contending team with an infield like the, and outfield that the Phillies have, you know, I, I Weston thought, you know, I thought I could still make my way into the 40-man roster. But in my head, I'm thinking, man, this guy's got, he's got some stones to believe that. I mean, he was right. <laughs> But he yeah. said he wanted to do it because he just wants the atmosphere right now. He's like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something special. And it's been just crazy to see him get to be a part of it and how much he enjoys it in the dugout, how much the guys love him, how much he loves those guys. Um, and like, it, it's actually really fun. It was at the game last night. So watching Jake Cave finally get a playoff at bat, uh, I was so happy for him because I knew how much it meant for him to finally get a chance in the postseason. And then I also knew as soon as that ball went in the gap, I'm like, he, he's going to try for a triple. I, like, it does not matter what happens. He's going to go for three. And as soon as he went around second, I'm like, yep, that's just, he he plays such an unhinged style of baseball. It's very funny. He's just, he's chaos incarnate sometimes. <laughs> like, very, very hectic. Um, but yeah, just getting to know the guys like that is, you know, to me, so important as a part of my job. Just getting people to understand that, you know, these are humans um, and it's really easy to boo or get down on those guys, but, you know, understanding their stories goes a long way. Great example this year for us was, uh, and I had seen him actually when I was with Delmarva, a uh, former top hundred prospect, uh, Hans Krauss. Um, and Hans, I'd seen him in 2019. He was awesome, but he's gone through a ton of injuries. And to begin this year, he was dealing with some more and I was talking to him about it. And he said, you know, we just can't figure out what it is. And 
basically what would happen is he would have these outings on the bullpen where he would retire like the first two hitters. And then he'd walk like three guys in a row and then he would get pulled. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And I finally talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, basically after like 20 pitches, my hand goes numb. I'm like, Whoa. like oh that, that's what he said. Yeah, we just can't figure out what's going on. Um, so he finally went down, went on the IL, went down to Florida, rehabbed, came back. And I talked to him about his rehab process when he got back. And he was just very inspiring um, that, you know, he went through, he's been through a ton of injuries, obviously, and just the art, the career arc of being top hundred prospect to traded by the Rangers to the Phillies, making a major league debut, getting DFA'd, and then going through waivers unclaimed. Like that's, that's kind of hitting rock bottom as a player. Um, and just talking to him about his journey and all that, you know, everybody sees Hans as a very aloof, kooky kind of guy. But then once he gets to know him and realize what's taking inside his head, it's very thoughtful. It's very, you know, just overall, just, just a human being. Um, and I, you know, I hope that more people understand that because oftentimes we just view the athletes as athletes, but there's just so much going on under there. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, you look sometimes at the off season at like I'll, you know, be on MLB trade rumors, for example, and you'll just see a guy get picked up by one team yeah. and then the next day get picked up by another team. And then, and you know, you just, oh, you just don't really think about it. But I mean, these are people that are getting moved to seven teams in one off season. We had a guy like that this year on the iron picks, Cal Stevenson, Phillies claimed him. So Phillies claimed him in late May already to start that year. He started in triple a for Oakland, got called up by Oakland, got DFA'd by Oakland claimed by the giants played like three games for San Francisco, sent back down to the minors, then DFA'd, claimed by the Phillies, and then DFA'd again three days later and then went and cleared waivers, all in about a month span. Um, and I found out after the fact that his wife was pregnant the entire time. Oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, that was probably like one of the worst experiences of my life. I'm like, man, it, and he, it, the other part of it was he, he'd been playing terrible. Um, and then finally, after his first three weeks with us, he started playing phenomenally again. And I asked him, like, you know, that's got to be because you're just comfortable again. He said, yeah, 100 percent. He's like, you go through that, you know, month long period where you're just questioning everything that's going on. And one thing he said about it was, yeah, it was really hard being away from my family and all that. But the other part of it is you feel like you can't get comfortable again in the clubhouse because you don't know if five days later, if you're just going to be gone. So you don't, you're not opening yourself up to the relationships with the guys in the clubhouse. But he said, mm -hmm. finally, I got, I was like, okay, I'm going to be here. And he bought into the clubhouse and things went great from there. Wow. That's crazy. I got to ask as a, as a Phillies fan and somebody who peruses their prospects all the time, <laughs> who is, who are some people you got to see up and close this year that maybe not a lot of people have heard about, but you think are just on the precipice of could make that jump. So some guys who I think will probably have an impact sometime in the next year for the Phils, um, Raphael Marchand, uh, he's been up for the Phils before, um, but the thing for him is next year, I believe is the last year he has options left to go back down to the minors. So the Phillies are probably going to want to use those um, while they still can. And he came back from broken hamate bone and just looked really good behind the plate. Um, and I'm more leery on asking JT to catch 120 times a year than others. 
just just from the standpoint of he's done it for so many years that you know it's got to be wearing him down Let, let's give him a breather um you know i think Simone muziati finally played 100 plus games um and was really good for most of them before wearing down towards the end of the season obviously the phillips have a glut of outfielders um so i think he might be a little bit of trade bait potentially there um and then phil's got a lot of, a couple of interesting arms in the bullpen just some guys who i think you know maybe could have an impact if they want to add some more arms to that kind of bullpen churn calling guys up and down uh tyler mckay is one of them throws from a three-quarters arm slide got a big sweepy slider fastball insane two-seam run that'll sit 93 to 95 um and on top of that one guy everybody has forgotten about, but threw really well for the Iron Pigs down the stretch was actually Nick Nelson. Uh, uh-huh. Finally stre- finally stretched out as a starter. Uh, went through a couple of hamstring strains this year, but by the end of the year was looking pretty good. Started the final game or pitched in the final game of the year for the Phils. Um, and I think, you know, the Phillies have gotten so part of it is luck. Part of it is skill as far as their starting rotation has been so healthy the past mm-hmm. couple of years that you get three or four guys making 30-plus starts, but you can't expect that every year. So to have that extra depth and guys like Nick Nelson, Michael Plassmeyer, um, is is always key. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome to hear, though, especially Nick Nelson is a guy we've seen a lot um, you know, over the last two years and at times looked great, was a guy you could just pencil in, get four or five innings from him of solid ball. You know, somebody like a Christopher Sanchez turned into this yep. year. You know, they just – keep finding somebody who can just get them a start, get some innings, you know, whatever, whatever that role is. So that's really cool to hear, Um, you know, especially guys like Muziati we've seen, and it's cool that those guys are right there playing well at the, you know, at that level of, you know, just getting that, getting the reps in, which is so important because when you're just getting shuffled back and forth, I mean, like we've been talking about, that's so hard to just stay in that mode. And even a guy like Jay Cave just coming off the bench and ripping a shot into the gap. I mean, he was maybe a step too short of being a, you know, safe a third, but I mean, the guy's ice in his veins. There's been plenty of times this year, and I'm sure you saw it even more at yeah. the AAA level where you just come up and you're like, dang, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like what? He just seems to know the pitch right before it's coming. And he just puts the bat on the ball. It, that That's one thing that's been so impressive from the Phillies organizational philosophy is that they've done a phenomenal job at stockpiling, not necessarily like top-end talent at the AAA level, but necessary talent and depth that they know that they'll be able to control. I mean, it's wild to say, but where would the Phillies be this year without the combined efforts of Cody Clemens and Jake Cave being able to fill in at first base in the outfield where necessary? Um, You know, a lot of times it's not like Jake or Cody put, probably combined put together maybe a half win above replacement type of thing but getting just replacement level talent period sometimes can be really hard um so the fact that they have it in kind of abundance in cody clemens and jake cave Derek hall weston wilson muziati marshawn uh, and then the bullpen guys as well that's hard to do and hard to make sure that you have that especially after going through a trade this offseason where they dealt a lot of that depth for gregory soto and, mm-hmm. But they knew that they would, you know, search search through the scrap heap. They got Cave on waivers. They got Weston through minor league free agency, and they knew they'd be able to put it together. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing that really stood out to me this year too of the guys we were saying called up and just getting actual value from them, whether or not it's just a hit in a game that they won in July that seemed meaningless at the time. But it really reminds me of like that 2018 where you just yeah. had guys just 
all right, we're putting Greg Dobbs in, and he's going to get a big hit for us. So we're putting Eric Brundtland in, and he's just going to finish out the game for us, defensive replacement type deal. And I just – there's, like, shades of that team that I see now, and it's, like – it's really awesome because of how many years they were just in the dumps of just garbage rosters. People, it wasn't even worth watching the game for. And now it's like, who, who's the next guy? Who's going to be that guy who gets the pinch hit or who's going to be the guy that's just in there that you, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to look back and remember on. And I feel like all these guys that we've talked about are in that, in that class right now of just, Hey, let's do this. I know I'm talking up a big game and hopefully this takes us to the promised land, but <laughs> It's it's so eerie in a way, you know, just have those have those feelings again when you haven't had them in such a long time. And I think the big thing is I was talking to some of our other front office uh, members today about it is that so much of it, I think, comes back to the fact that Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, that they're ha- they're they're the kind of people who aren't acting like, you know, they're the big superstars who are on these large deals. They're just another guy in the clubhouse. And they're very approachable. They they make people feel welcome into the clubhouse. I mean, I'm sure you saw it, but, you know, Orion Kirkering in the celebration after the Braves series is wearing an Attaboy Harper t-shirt. You know, how how often do you have a rookie who's literally been there two weeks comfortable enough to feel like he's a part of the bit, you know, That, that he can, that he can feel like he can show his character and his comedy and feel like he's a part of it, even though he's been there for literally 14 days. Uh, and that's what every guy who has gone up and down has said about it is that you feel like you're a part of it. And it's not, you know, them putting on a charade. They genuinely want to get the best out of you because they just want to win. And they know that if they make you feel comfortable and they make you feel like you're a part of this too, everybody buys it. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of just to, to touch on that, because obviously there were a lot of new rules this year in baseball. And so like, obviously the reliever one, I think that's a few years old, but having to pitch, to three batters, right? And then the big one in the National League, there's the DH now. Mm-hmm. So in the playoffs, like 2008, you know, I remember like Greg Dobbs, Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs hit the huge home yeah. run that you're in the postseason. You don't necessarily get to maybe see as many relievers or as many pinch hits and stuff. Is that just one thing like some of these players, you know, that are just accustomed to, they might not get a call most games now, If you know, if you're towards the bottom, whereas – you know, JK would probably pinch it every game yeah. if if it was the old rules. Like, so I just didn't know your take. If if the players talk about that at all, they might just be, you know, sitting on the bench the whole game or. So most players actually do like having the DH because um, wildly enough, most guys hate pinch hitting because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they know that they're set up for failure. And there's a really funny story from this year where so Weston Wilson basically played every single day for us dude would barely ever have a day off he finally had the first one he has is Mother's Day in May um and we play eight innings we're down two runs somebody gets hurt and Weston has to go into the game and (laughs) I talked to him after he's like I was so hoping just to get a full day off just like (laughs) kick back and relax and you know just finally rest my feet and you know pinching coming off the bench it's not easy it's not fun um but then in the ninth he you know gets his first ab and hits a game tying two run homer (laughs) so it's just like they they say that they hate it but who knows if they actually do um it's it's just very hard and for the most part i think the new rules are genuinely well uh liked by uh most of the players they seem to enjoy it. They like the pace of play. 
Um, they like the universal DH for the most part, just because, you know, most of them don't really think along with the manager. So just kind of knowing that your role or, you know, job for that day is going to be pretty static. Uh, most players behave well in that kind of scenario. Uh, and then more guys are, you know, stealing bases and figuring out how to steal bases. And they enjoy that, too. Yeah. Uh, well, of, of the new rules, have you experienced the robo arms at all at any of the yeah. levels you've done? And um, what would you say is like the reaction from some of the players? Because we've bandied about it a little bit and have assumed it's maybe good for the batters, maybe it's good for the pitchers, but really haven't locked it down on whether or not it's an advantage or disadvantage. But what's your experience with it? Yeah, so uh, we had the robo arms basically the entire year. Um, the way it worked for us is... Uh, Tuesday through Thursday is fully automated robotic umpires. Um, so, you know, that's just uh, um, umpire has an earpiece in. He hears ball or strike, calls it. That's that. Ah. Friday through Sunday is the challenge system. Each team gets three challenges. Umpire uses or umpire calls balls and strikes just as normal. Um, but if a player, either hitter or pitcher or catcher, wants to challenge, they you know, tell the umpire, hey, I want to challenge. And then basically, I don't know if you guys watch tennis at all. It looks just like, uh, you know, if you challenge a ball down the down the baseline in tennis, yeah. um, that goes up on the video board, the strike zone does, and you see whether or not the pitch hit it. Um, you know, if you win the challenge, you retain it. If you lose it, that challenge is gone. Um, overall, most players prefer the challenge system uh, just because it, it feels like most players as well as most fans overall – just want to get rid of the egregiously missed pitches. We don't need the ones that are the ticky tacky, you know, 50, 50 to, to try to litigate. That's not what we're really looking to do with this. And that's where the automated strike zone was kind of very hit or miss with most guys. Uh, it just never, it's just very hard for it to match up precisely with what your mind's eye tells you a strike looks like. Uh, so that was a challenge Overall, I think it worked pretty well. Uh, I don't know if it's ready for a major league rollout at this point, nor do I think that they're looking within the next year to, to put it out. I think it's a little bit more long-term project. But it was certainly an experience. And, you know, guys, guys <laughs> the way I look at it is guys are going to complain either way. They're, they're going to be yeah. complaining about the home plate umpire and, you know, the human, or they're going to be, you know, moaning about the fact that the ABS strike zone doesn't seem right. So, I don't know. I feel like we're just asking the the wrong question of just you know who do, who would we rather be mad at? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. interesting because it's like you can especially see it too with some of the younger guys, the younger batters, especially that make it to the majors. I mean, I, I remember last year Julio Rodriguez was just getting called out like crazy on strikes, but they were just in a box like you could literally put it up and just so where the pitches were and it was like man he has such an insane idea of like where the strike zone should be but he was getting penalized for it in a way because so it just wasn't when, swinging when i asked weston when he came back down from the majors um because when he went up he ended up walking like five times in like a three-game span and i'm like what the hell is up with that he said <laughs> honestly the ABS strike zone down here in the minors prepared me really well to know where the strike zone is. And he said, it just happened to work out that way that now I feel like I have a really good command of the strike zone that you're not guessing where it is that you know where it is. And even if major league umpires, it's going to be slightly different than what the robotic strike zone is going to be pretty darn similar though. 
Um, so we felt like that was a huge advantage and that he you know, had a really keen understanding of what the zone was supposed to be is something that he said in years past, he just wasn't as confident in. Yeah. Well, and we talked about like hitters, like I did see that about Weston too. I think I read that in an article somewhere. And then a few weeks ago we had um, Corey Lewis and knuckleballer on the twins mm -hmm. on, and he, he talked about it too, but I don't know. Have you talked to any catchers? Cause we always talk about the art of framing, right. And how that would, that could go away if robot ops became a thing as any catcher takes on this. Uh, Raphael Marchand hates it. <laughs> um, that was really funny when we asked him about it. Uh, yeah, he doesn't like it. Um, he, you know, Mar and Marchand's also a very good defensive catcher. Um, so he's gotten that going for him. Um, the other part of it is for, even though it takes away a layer of gamesmanship and framing, it actually adds another one in a catcher's ability to challenge. Because uh, I found that there was pretty disparate ends of whether or not a catcher was good at picking pitches to challenge. Because it's a, it's a little bit of an art. Because you only have three of them. And, you know, it's, okay, a 3-0 pitch to the cleanup hitter maybe got the outside corner, but it was called a ball. Is it actually worth challenging? 3-1 on the cleanup dude and, you know, say it's Bryce Harper at the plate. Do you really want to throw him a 3-1 fastball anyways? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, you, you just can the challenge and save it for a later date. Um, and some guys just wouldn't understand that. Or, you know, there were just some some catchers ha actually have a very bad feel for where the strike zone is. And they would challenge pitches and it's not even close. Um, Was that so up to the player's like discretion as far as when they can use them or were there was there any direction with like the manager so that is a key rule the challenge has to be used within two seconds of the wow okay no no feedback from the dugout okay. and there were times when somebody would yell something from the dugout and the umpire heard it and a player would try to challenge and the umpire would say no okay or if they took too long umpire would say no window is window is closed okay so you no. just get so Three total a game, pitcher, catcher, hitter, anyone can quickly call a challenge. Yeah, Unless you get three, it right. Yeah, th yeah, three per team. You retain the challenge if you win it. That I, I like yeah. that because, I yeah. mean, we don't like the robot almost, but that we didn't really dive into how the challenge system worked. That's cool. Yeah. And I like that yeah. you can't – like because in baseball – you the guy when they're gonna challenge, you know, your pitching coach or whatever's on the phone for 20 minutes, and you're yeah. like, Well, they're gonna know the call at this point. But I like yeah. the fact a little bit of like you gotta like kind of go with your gut. Like JT would probably be great at it, I think. But it, yeah, it's just that, you, know, it, you have to do it, it on the spot. We had some catchers who were really good at it, some who weren't so good. Um, and just overall, it was definitely the if what most players mo most players would say was if we had if you told us we have to do the robo umpires, we're, we prefer the challenge system. That that would be the better way for us to go about it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm interested to see whether or not it ever takes hold. And the only issue I'll say with it is that you do sometimes end up with kind of a timeouts and basketball issue where if you got three challenges remaining in the ninth inning, and you know you're down a run or two you just start throwing them out because you can't take them home yeah and we experienced some times like that and it, get, it got really annoying <laughs> how long i mean was it typically long to like to review it do they are they very no, it's it's maybe a good challenge a good rhythm of a challenge 
10 seconds. Okay, it's, so that's not bad. It, not yeah, it, it's just it bad. just kind of messes with the flow yeah. is the best way of putting it. And it, uh, why, I, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but for me sometimes a wildly minor inconvenience, which isn't actually going to take that much time, but keeps on happening, will annoy me more than the annoyance that I know is going to take three minutes. But I know that as soon as the three minutes is done, that's it. We're not doing it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Terrible way to look at it, but. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. Well, um, as I guess as we kind of wrap up here, Sam, I got to ask you, I, I feel like I, I should know, but I don't. Favorite <laughs> player of all time. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I mean, or you can go favorite Philly. Um, but I want to ask you who, who genuinely that favorite player would probably honestly for me have to be Cole Hamels. Okay, I just, I just yeah. loved watching Cole pitch and you know seeing him deal, change up, just this the kind of silent swagger, the oh wait, MV World Series MVP. He was like the first time I was like, that guy is awesome. Um, and it, my first ever favorite player was Jim Tomey uh oh good yeah yeah but cole was kind of like the one that i was like man that's he's he's different um and yeah i'd probably have to say and honestly it feels terrible trying to pick anybody from that 08 team because to me they're they're all one and the same you know it's it's rollins utley howard hamels it's chooch it's jason worth victorino pat burrell you know they're they're all I, I could watch them all every day and yeah. sometimes so <laughs> okay i appreciate yeah. good to know good to know <laughs> jace did you have anything else on your side yeah i i have one last question of you've got to travel around a lot i'm sure and got to go to some cool places what's mm-hmm. one of the most you know, like what's a place that really stuck with you that you thought when you got the ticket you're like ah this could go one of two ways but what was a place that you just ended up having to go to for a, an event that really stuck with you um hmm, that's a good one one i'm trying to think of one of the really small places on the road that i ended up going that uh turned into a favorite of mine we finally got them yeah (laughs) that's one i haven't thought about all too much i mean throughout my travels in the carolina league um salem virginia isn't a bad spot i kind of liked it there um that was interesting Out, out in the midwest um going to st louis was fun um we were like in suburbs of st louis so that was really cool in a very small incorporated town called uh, soje <laughs> illinois um so that, that was always interesting uh we went up that same year to traverse city michigan uh, it's actually really beautiful uh r- right on lake michigan so that was really awesome um trying to think the the best trip that we did when i was in the carolina league was a two-weeker to charleston myrtle beach so that uh, that was one that was yeah. just like that, that was just enjoyable that, yeah, that, right. that was yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah. so yeah that that's kind of uh, some random places that my baseball travels have taken me um I, i've been why weirdly fortunate it hasn't taken me to like any like supremely crazy places i guess yeah <laughs> at least yet <laughs> right yeah Thanks for doing this with us, Sam. Yeah, of and, course. And hey, thanks for uh yeah. yeah, this was first off, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I already want to just yeah. say before we even get off, I want to have you on again. This was a lot of fun. And the knowledge that you just bring 
into the majors and then down <laughs> is is awesome. Something I never I, got to listen I, to. Uh, I, I try my best. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it's fun for me. That's, you know, that, that's why I do it is because it is, you know, something I'm passionate about, but also, you know, it's, it's so cool. It's so fun. So. Yeah. We really, really appreciate you having, having you on Sam. Um, you know, knowing you for as long as I have, you, <laughs> you're great at what you do and, you know, I am rooting for nothing but the, you know, utmost success for you and, in the future with the Phillies organization or whatever, whatever organization, whatever you decide, um, you know, to do. So, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll hit up the links here soon. Also. Absolutely. Now, thank you guys for having me on. It was a blast. Yeah. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.